Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Well, this is sad. People were asked whether you uh, like or trust your neighbors. 6,000 people of us were asked. And only half of us trust the people we live next to. Right. That is so changed. Like, I remember as a kid, uh, my whole street, everybody knew everybody. I remember all the dads in the summertime would be outside having beers with each other. I think at least twice a summer, it seemed to me, we used to do this kind of neighborhood picnic Mm -hmm. where we'd all get outside and on our front lawns. You know, we'd all set up like picnic tables on our front lawns and everybody kind of cook for themselves. But everybody would just be mingling and hanging around up and down the street. Now most people don't even know the name of their neighbor. No, I I freely admit I the one I tried to meet on the other side. He doesn't quite speak uh, English, mm. uh, and and so I'm not totally sure of the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen, I don't believe is actually <laughs> named Karen. Karen's not really speaking English <laughs> either. Even yes, she, no, even she speaks she, a lot. Yeah, yeah, I just can't understand what she's saying. Uh, but I mean, I just call her Karen. Mm. We have the one neighbors beside us, and our kids are good friends, and 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 they're great. Uh, and and a couple down the way. Uh, that you know we've we known. There's one who's been there forever since mm. we've been there, and I've never met them and don't know them. And they're only two doors or three doors down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some new ones moved in. Another sketchy bunch. Mm. What's the male Karen again? Is it Ken? What was it? Terry? Terry. Who's Terry? Uh, we got a Terry. So we got a Terry now <laughs> and a Karen. Uh, and, and then, yeah, it, I, it's funny. When we moved into the neighborhood, we were told this is a really tight bunch. Right. Right. A really good neighborhood. They did a lot of, uh, they did like a block, uh, Easter egg hunt for mm-hmm. all the kids. And it was, it was great. Uh, but neighborhoods evolve. Yeah. They've since moved on. And the real trend now is when people move in, you don't know them. No. And I, in fact, the boys do a paper route. If they didn't do that paper route, we wouldn't know the names of most mm. of our neighbors. And the only yeah. reason we know them is because of the paper. It's 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 sad. Like I recall as as a kid, if a neighbor was going away on vacation, we would cut their grass for them, we would collect their mail. Right. You know, do all that stuff. And now, yeah, you don't ask your neighbor to do anything. And it, it is a shame. I have a lady that lives, uh, so I'm on a corner. So my house looks uh, out onto the street into the side of another home. And this lady, they're, they're seniors, and she's out cutting the grass a lot. She won't even look up to acknowledge your existence. Right, if yeah. You're even coming around the corner in the car. or There's a couple of times where she's cutting the grass up the boulevard, and I'm backing in. So the front of my car is literally at her and right. I I want to wave and say hi she won't even look up you know really it's so strange whereas because with seniors they're usually a little a little yeah. more friendly I do find in my neighborhood because we have a lot a lot of seniors that when they do walk by walking their dog or do whatever if I'm outside doing something they'll wave I'll say hi right. they'll say hi there's that it's the young people are usually worse at it now yeah, oh, terrible right terrible. And, and in fact we've got three houses across from us that, that um, all young people have moved into within the past couple of years yeah. don't know any of them nothing right and some of them just in the last couple of months you think you know that time when the first thing you do is you know either go over and introduce yourselves mm-hmm. or when you move into a neighborhood go and introduce yourselves to the neighbors, it just doesn't happen anymore. No, nobody's bringing a pie over for anybody anymore. Yeah, it's, it is a shame that for, for young people, they, they know more about uh, strangers on social media than they do about the person that lives next door to them. Right, you know? yeah. Yeah. It is, a, it is strange. Only half of us will actually trust the people that live next door. That, that is sad. 
like he had in the news, a story of Pfizer trying to uh, develop a pill that could uh, ward off or cure COVID, I guess. And that is interesting because I think, I wonder if the vaccine came in a pill form instead of a needle. Right. Would more people be willing to take it? Possibly. Is it, is it the needle that frightens so many? The idea of this liquid going into your system that concerns people? Whereas a swallowing a pill is a easier to take, uh, maybe I, I I don't know. So it, it says it would be a preventative medicine that would ward off the virus if a close contact gets it. Mm. Yeah, it almost sounds like Plan B, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you got it. Oh yeah. my goodness! All right, I gotta yeah. run out and take this pill. Take the pill. It's it's combined with a low dose of an HIV drug and would block a key enzyme the virus needs to replicate. Hmm. So. It's kind of sound, I don't know if it's just a short-term thing. Maybe, like, it's a quick thing. Right. Or else, you know, give it to everybody. Well, right. Why not? Sure. Right. Or if you end up getting together with a lot of family or friends over Thanksgiving on your way home, you <laughs> stop at the shopper's drug mart and pick up a pack. <laughs> we were talking about your uh, your list of medications yeah, you well, have. Now uh, add another one I'll to add it. Add another one to it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not swallowing pills all day long, I'm on the uh, blood pressure machine. It's, it's, like, it's like a walk-in clinic at my house now. A bunch of kids were asked between the ages of 6 and 11, what would they like to add as a new subject in school? And, uh, yeah, video games made the list. Really? Oh, yeah. The top responses and the number one response was a class on how to be a YouTube star. Oh. I think that's kind of sad and and reflective of where we're at today. There should be, uh, I guess, some maybe multimedia or programming Mm. That has to do with it, keyboarding. Yeah, kids don't want any of that. Here's what they want. They want a class on how to look after pets. Right. They want a class. Now, these are, again, remember, between 6 and 11. Gotcha. They want a class on how to cook their favorite meal. All right. They want, of course, how to be good at video games. Um, how to recycle. You know, here's this is interesting. It shows the kindness of children. Other top answers from children on classes they'd like to have in school. How to be brave. How to cheer someone up. How to make people laugh. How to be proud of yourself. Mm. That's, you know, between 6 and 11, that's wow, uh, yeah. that's pretty caring. Um, other answers, looking after plants, making friends, telling a good joke, respecting other people, being a better listener. And how to make toast. Not a toast, but rather just toast. <laughs> how do I make toast? <laughs> They still have home ec? I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, I remember taking some sort of home ec class. Yeah, we had uh, there was usually a sewing project. I remember a couple of those. And uh, and then there was like cooking as well. I think I remember making lemon meringue pie. Right. Seemed to be something we made. Extravagant. uh, Yeah, that seems seems very good. I failed. (laughs) I failed that class. (laughs) When I was in school, I think uh, you were able to drop things like... Math and science, like after grade 10, I think you had to take it through till 10. Yeah. and But you had to take English all the way through, I remember. So I bailed on all of that. <laughs> and my grade 11 and 12 year were full of like gym, gym art, music, theater arts, <laughs> music, and English. Yeah. And look at you. Look at me now. Look at the success I am. And your life is drama. Go yeah, figure. That's right. 
Yeah, I uh, and of course when when I was in school, they uh, they did the levels as like one three one was uh, like the lowest kind of level, and then one four one one five one, and then one six one, and I don't know why they numbered it like that, but they did, and then one six one was like university driven right courses and classes, and I think there still was grade thirteen. For a little while, it might have been gone by the time I got to like mid high school, but it was, I, I still to this day think it was a better system in having grade 13 because that really was the year that students got to figure out what they're going to do. If they want to go to university, they would take grade 13. Right. If you weren't going on to university and you knew it, you were graduated and done and out at grade 12 and you go on to community college or do whatever you wanted to do. But you got that year. And you were like 17, 18. So you're a little older, a little mature. I, I feel bad for, uh, and my boys went through it, like in grade nine, when they're like 13 or 14, whatever they are. What do you want to do in university? They don't, they don't want to know. They don't know what they want to do for lunch yeah. that day. Yeah. Well, I, no, when I went through high school, it was that same decision. Because when you get to grade nine, yeah, you had three levels. You had, you know, there's general, basic, general, right. advanced, gifted were the, right. the four. And, um, I think there was one in between there and some an enriched in some in there. Gifted but, and enriched was never in my yeah. conversation. But the uh but basically if you if you went into the general stream, you were going the college route or mm. or um uh straight to trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you went to the advanced route, uh that's how you you had to take advanced courses in order to take your OACs mm-hmm. or grade thirteen in order to go to towards university. So you kinda had to make that decision around grade nine, which is you know, a tough spot oh, yeah. at 13, 14 years right. old. It's too much. To figure it out. Maybe put a little pressure on the guidance counselors who give you one test with some dots to circle and yeah. say that'll, that'll tell you what job you're, you're going to do later on. It seemed to me that with grade 13, it gave you that whole year. I mean, you, you had to know in advance that you were going to university, but you didn't really have to know what you were going to do in university. Right. Um, it seems that you have to kind of have that all planned out, you yeah. know? But uh, anyhow. Well, yeah, now you got kids who are leaving home at 17 years old to go party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're so young. Yeah. I, you know, it seems to me that you shouldn't probably be leaving the house uh, when you still can't drink or vote. Right. You know, you're, you're, so, you're so young. At but I still contend, too, and maybe times have changed, but one of the most important courses I took in school was, was keyboarding, typing. Mm-hmm. Because you had to learn how to type properly mm-hmm. in order to do all the the essays that I would do in, in, in university. It, it was crazy. Mm. You know, when you get 5,000, 10,000 word essays you got to write and you're doing it last minute overnight, you got to be able to type pretty well. Now, I mean, kids, my kids know the keyboard or starting to learn it through texting, mm. but that's a thumb thing. You sit down at, a, at an actual physical keyboard and there's still searching around for right, the keys right. takes a lot longer. You know, They could probably text an essay faster than yeah. they could actually type one. Probably, that's true. The thing that saved me in high school was co-op education. I'm in grade 12. I got the opportunity. There's only a few students. I think I was on the uh, high-risk level side of things <laughs> where chances are I wasn't going to make it through grade 12, <laughs> that I might be escorted to the front door and asked to leave. Um so they had this co-op, and I was able to go to a radio station in, in Brampton one day and then school the next. Right. It was a great year. Now, I wanted to be in radio. I knew from a young age I wanted to be in radio, so that worked out perfect because every day I went to this radio station, it was so much fun. Mm. Like back in the 80s, 
There was a beer fridge in the kitchen. <laughs> Guys were doing rails on their desk. I just, I just thought, this is the coolest thing ever. What do you do for your co-op? I'm counting keys. <laughs> the uh, vax against the unvax, that divide seems to be getting larger and wider all the time. People who are vaccinated say they've ended a friendship with someone who isn't. That's about one in seven, the amount of people who have ended a friendship. Now, I don't know if this is like a Facebook social media friendship or an actual friendship. I mean, I know people who are unvaccinated. I have not cut anybody out of my life. Certainly haven't spent a lot of time with them, but I would take their call or if they needed assistance in some way, I'd, I'd help them out. I don't think I... I don't think I'd end a friendship over this. Uh, well, I mean, that was kind of one of the stories circulating yesterday. It was a, a, a poll, uh, a leger poll that was done, a study that was done. It said, you know, the, the, the tensions between vaccinated mm. and unvaccinated people now ha- have grown to the point where, you know, yeah, they, they, they don't want associations with it. And, and I think what it is, is that if you're friends with someone, you might not care about their status. Or, or don't know their status, but the ones who are vehement about uh, their status mm-hmm. on either side mm-hmm. are annoying to the other, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, I, yes, I, I know some unvaccinated people in my life, and 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 uh, and for the most part, they're fine. Mm. But there are a couple who who continue to send you stuff, right, uh, as to why they're not, and uh, you know, to justify because they everyone feels like they have to continually justify their decisions mm-hmm. uh, to other people. When you don't, mm-hmm. it's your own personal medical you know history. Sure, you have to justify it to get into some buildings uh, now and in some places that you may want to go mm. if you're unvaccinated, but. You know, for the most part, the general conversation between friends it doesn't really matter. If you've got, you know, and it's, it's it doesn't even have to do about COVID vaccines. If you've got anyone in your life who's harping on you all the time about, about decisions that you've made, yeah. you're likely going to stop talking to them. Yeah, many say they've dumped a friend over politics, uh, and, and that's a huge one. And I actually saw this guy, I forget his name, I forget his title, but he's some sort of expert in social media and understanding of how the algorithms and all of it work. And it really has become, and it makes me think more and more that there might have to come a day, and I've pondered it myself here and there, about dumping social media completely. Because at the end of the day... Uh, There was never a time that I cared what somebody from my grade six class cared about O'Toole or Trudeau. Right. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I I, I didn't care about that person then and and I don't care now. Right. And with that uh, separation, you know, it used to always be don't talk politics or religion or how much you make. We have to stop talking about politics. And I guess we have to keep talking about covid and the vaccine because it's an ongoing story believe you me it's the last thing lucky and i ever want to speak of again right. we don't enjoy doing it but we have to because it's the lead story every day for the last 18 months well it, it, and it's not and here's here's what really drives me nuts right is that you know people who think we're pushing a narrative of some mm. point by talking about it we're not our job is to talk about what people are talking about. Current events. Right, current events that are happening. And yeah. there's there, this cloud of a pandemic has been hanging over us for mm-hmm. almost two years now yeah. and continues to. And, and, you know, there's not a place that you go 
where it's not affecting you mm-hmm. now. And so to not talk about it would be irresponsible at that point. Yeah, but, it's funny with with uh, with that with that uh, thought from some listeners because we've had that, oh, you guys are just reading a narrative that your bosses tell you. Your left-leaning management makes you speak this way. I can tell you 100% and honestly, I haven't spoken to management <laughs> in this place in almost two years. <laughs> don't, don't, haven't seen them. Don't jinx it, Craig. Don't. I know. <laughs> the, the lazy side of me... The lazy side of me never wants the things to get back to normal because that would mean meetings and discussions. There has been a great side to this and that we have been able to just come in, fart, giggle, and leave for four hours. Right. Yeah. And the politics one is, is, is interesting, too, because, you know, all throughout this election, we, same thing. You know, high school and, and people I haven't talked to, seen in years yeah. are are online and, you know, adamant about a change in government or or sticking to this or that or this is the way you have to go and, and I'm just saying, you know what, your personal situation is so much different than mine, mm-hmm. right? And 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 anyone else's. Mm. You know, you can't speak for you. Sure, you might want a change in leadership as if as if that was going to change everything overnight. Mm-hmm. All right? No. But, you know, people make political decisions based on a, a number of different factors. Their family, their wealth, their uh, their health, age. age. Yeah, there's there's so many different reasons to, to ponder uh, mm-hmm. and select your candidate. And, you know, it, and that's why it's a personal decision and should stay that way. Yeah, you know, you think back to before social media. I mean, you, you, your circle of uh, people and what they were into or not into was so small. Right. You know, you had a handful of friends, maybe. You kind of knew. Honestly, I would say even with a lot of my friends, I don't even know their political leanings. I mean, I do now because we're more open about it. But back then, I didn't. You know what I think has changed is the concept of the influencer. Because when you were you know, just hanging out with your small group of friends, you might have had some influence over mm-hmm. them. And so now you get onto Facebook or social media, and you think you still have influence mm-hmm. Over all the rest of the people who are around mm-hmm. you or following you, right? And and you know you might put something up there, and if you've got five thousand followers, fifteen hundred followers, you might get fifty or sixty likes, and it makes you feel like okay, I'm mm-hmm. I'm influencing some people mm-hmm. uh, throughout this decision. I've got people who are thinking the way that I think, but that's not necessarily yeah. the case. This guy too, who's this expert, was also explaining that one of the reasons why your front page. Or your headline news on Facebook and Twitter and, and, and all of it is usually politics or COVID related in that they found out early on that negative, angry, outrageous comments spike the most drive to, and hits. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's why Facebook is no longer just cute little stories most of the time. It's angry stuff that you're seeing constantly and i guess facebook is in the midst of trying or saying they're trying to change their algorithms so that the angry stuff doesn't lead the way because that's what we've all just become and and it's all based solely on social media yeah we might have all had these thoughts and conspiracy this and there was a time i actually enjoyed conspiracy theories because they were unique and different i love the jfk movie yeah yeah (laughs) i've had enough there was there was a art bell do you remember him he did an overnight conspiracy radio show was a syndicated thing right yeah it was great because you just heard all these looney tunes going off on stuff and you go well that's different and unique the problem is nowadays that's all we hear and it's because of social media It, it really is to blame 
Back when TV was only in black and white, three quarters of us said uh, we only dreamed in black and white. Now, less than a quarter of people dream in black and white. I don't know if uh, watching the TV has anything to do with that now that the TV is full color and 100 inches. Wow. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess. Like, if you didn't know. But, I mean, you saw in color already, so you'd think your mm-hmm. dreams would be vivid in color. I had not an experience the other night where I had myself one of them there sexual dreams. Oh. But it was like me and Mila Kunis. <laughs> That's a dream. Yeah, yes, yes. For her, a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think Demi Moore was in on it as well. Oh, really? Yeah. It was like all the ladies of Ashton Kutcher. Awkward. Was Ashton there? Yeah. He was giving me tips. <laughs> well, at least you had a sexual dream. I dreamed of my chiropractor. <laughs> I think I think that's how bad. Like I've had like back pain and yeah. ramping up a little recently, and I like had a literally woke up in the midst of a dream where I was trying to make an appointment with my chiropractor. <laughs> that's very thought, sexy. Yeah, that's uh, that's a sign. <laughs> the back's not doing well. I got a little concerned though because when I woke up from the dream, I'm like, I, I hope you know the lovely Maria's lying there right beside me. I, I hope at no point I'm yelling out Mila Kunis' name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Demi. I don't know. Adrian might be more worried if I'm... Hey, Dr. Adam. <laughs> I got a sore joint. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. Karl Marx had four daughters, and he named all of them Jenny. Well, he was into even distribution <laughs> of a lot of things. That's right. Apparently including names. That's right. I'm never moving to Alaska. There's a law in Alaska that says a person can't stay in a bar once they're drunk. <laughs> and well, then, do we not have the same kind of law here? I mean, there's a public intoxication. I guess you can be drunk in a bar. You just you're not supposed to kind of leave the bar and be drunk in public, right? Right. Like you can be drunk in a bar, well, I, but if you're overly drunk, you right. might, one they can't serve you, and two right. they'll they'll show you the exit. Yeah, right? I guess so. Yeah. An intoxicated person can't knowingly enter or stay where alcohol is sold. And in 2012, cops actually enforced the law in Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. If you like to get loaded in a bar, don't do it in Anchorage. There's nicotine in eggplants, but not much. You have to eat about 20 pounds of eggplants to get the nicotine effect you get from one cigarette. Okay. We do love our eggplants, don't we? I know a lot of dudes like to meet someone who's addicted to the eggplant. (laughs) The inventor of Pringles, he died in twenty uh, in two thousand and eight. Okay, and his final request was to was to be cremated and buried in a Pringles can. <laughs> really? And his children did it. No way. I hope they didn't put it in the pantry as a snack. <laughs> too high. It yeah. was too high to get to. <laughs> yeah, I have often wondered with that uh, Pringles inventor. He must have had small hands mm-hmm. because they've made that tube the. Ex- Exact size that your hand can't fit in to get no. the chips at the bottom. I was never that big of a fan. Uh, not like the, the biggest. I, for some reason, they're really salty. But yeah. I, I've always found, like, maybe the little snack size ones are mm. all right. As far as potato chips go, I, I think I've always been kind of a fan of Lay's. But then I always like Old Dutch, too. I've always enjoyed the really? Old Dutch uh, salt and vinegar. Yeah, those, and the Miss Vickies. Okay. The Old Dutch pop around every now and then at, uh, at Halloween. Right. You get the mini bags of the Old Dutch. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a regular ruffle. You know what's really good now is the um, the Metro has their own chain of uh, chips and right. all sorts of different products. Yes. But they're irresistible potato chips. One, dirt cheap. Okay. You get like three bags for five bucks. And they're literally irresistible? And I finish them on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> all three bags gone. 
Um, Madison only became a popular name for girls after Splash came out in 1984. Daryl Hannah? Yeah. Her character's name was Madison, but she picked it off the Madison Avenue street sign. And even Tom Hanks says to her in the movie, but Madison isn't a name. Really? Yeah, now a lot of, a lot of girls. Have yeah, absolutely. And Iran has fast food chains named Mash Donald's <laughs> and Pizza Hat. <laughs> it's because McDonald's and Pizza Hut aren't allowed in those country in that country. So is it like like McDowell's yeah. at coming to America? Probably. Maybe. Mash Donald's just does not sound appetizing. The big mash? Yeah, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want to know what's in that pizza hat either. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.